Amen. All right, well, we're there in Ephesians chapter number 6. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we are studying through the book of Ephesians, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And if you remember last week, we started Ephesians chapter number 6. We only made it through the first four verses, and we talked about uh, children and uh, fathers. And if you remember from last week, we talked about the fact that the first nine verses of this chapter deals with these authority relationships. And in verses 1 through 4, you see the children and fathers. In verses 5 through 9, you see the servants and masters. And it's really talking about how to deal with authority, either the authority over you in regards to the children and servants, and the authority uh, that you have uh, in regards to the fathers and masters. So last week we talked about uh, fathers and children. This week we're going to talk about servants and masters. We're going to walk through verses 5 through 9. And let me just go ahead and say this. Of course, he is referring to servants. If you look at verse 5, he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. And he's talking about this relationship of servants and masters, and it is exactly what that is. He's talking about people that are bond servants, uh, that are in uh, uh, servants uh, to these masters according to the flesh. It, that is the relationship there. But I want to go ahead and say that, you know, the main application for us today, you, we don't really have servants or uh, indentured servants or slavery or things like that. Of course, in the first century, when Paul is writing, this was something that was common to them. But I want, I want to say this, that all, all of this applies to the employee and employer uh, relationship. In fact, I don't think that there's one person that these verses don't apply to, because if you're sitting here tonight and you have a job, all of this is going to apply to you, how you should uh, deal with your boss uh, and, and how you should uh, you know, be towards him and how uh, your boss should be towards you. But honestly, it, 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 you, you can apply it anywhere. You know, every teenager should be listening tonight because we're going to learn about how to be a good employee and how to be a good worker, and whether that's a future job one day or just you being a teenager at home and working at home, you know, this applies to you. Uh, every, every church volunteer, you know, this applies to, to you as well. You work here, uh, you know, as a volunteer. Of course, we don't pay our volunteers. You're serving the Lord. But all of this work ethic and how to serve and these things, they apply to uh, all of us. So we'll begin tonight by looking at this idea of how servants should deal with the authority that they are under, and that's what Paul talks about here in verse 5. Notice he says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now, I want you to keep your place here in Ephesians 6. That's obviously our text for tonight, but go with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number 3. Now, you're there in Ephesians. You're just going to flip a couple of books over past the book of Philippians into the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and I want you to put a ribbon or a bookmark or something, a bulletin or something there in Colossians 3, because Colossians 3 is a parallel passage to Ephesians 6, so we're gonna, you're going to notice that they're going to cover very similar things, and we're going to go back and forth throughout the sermon we're also going to go to Genesis. We're going to go back and forth between those three, just so you know when we get there. But I want you to be able to flip between Ephesians and Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, you'll notice it says the same thing, verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. God is telling those of us that are under the authority of someone that they are to obey. And we, we've already been seeing this in chapter 5. We saw wives are to submit to their husbands. And earlier in chapter 6, 
We saw that children are to obey their parents. And now we're being told that servants are to obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. But I want you to notice how it is that they are supposed to serve. Go back to Ephesians. We're going to go right back and forth between Ephesians and Colossians. And if you're taking down notes, uh, I'd encourage you to write these things down. Number one, we are to work. When you are in a relationship where you are under the authority of someone and you're expected to work, primarily as an employee-employer relationship, but whether it's, look, this still applies to kids with their parents. This still applies as volunteers in in a church. This applies, in, it still applies with a wife, uh, you know, with her husband. All of those things still apply. He says, look, when you work, and this is really, he's teaching about work and having a work ethic. And, and when we look at this tonight, I want you to really uh, identify this with yourself. Use what we're learning tonight and look at yourself and ask yourself, am I this type of person? Because he's really telling us what a good worker is and, and what the Bible defines as a good worker. First of all, he says this, you ought to work without supervision. You ought to be the type of worker who doesn't need to just be continually supervised and micromanaged and watched you know, all day long, you ought to be the type of worker that doesn't have to have somebody just over them making sure that they are working. Ephesians 6, look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Notice verse 6. Not with eye service, as men pleasers. Now, what does that mean when he says not with eye service? He says, you shouldn't, he's saying, your service should not be connected to your boss's eyes. And look, we all know people that work like this. Maybe you are someone like this. You know, but the type of person is like, when the boss is around, you know, you're just busy. I mean, you're, you're shuffling folders back and forth, and you're opening and closing files, and you know, you're, you, I mean, you're not doing anything, but you look like you're busy. And as soon as the boss is out of the room, it's like, relax, you know, put your feet up on the table. God says, when you work, you ought not work with eye service, because look, when you work just because you're being watched and just because you're being seen, he says, you know what you are? You're a man pleaser. He says, not with eye service as men pleasers. He says, you ought not work. You ought not be the type of worker who is only working hard when you are being watched. He says, you ought to be the type of worker that doesn't need to be supervised, that doesn't need to be micromanaged, that doesn't need to have the boss just constantly watching you and making sure you're getting stuff done. You ought to be the type of worker who can just work without being supervised. Go to Colossians 3. Notice he says, Uh, The same thing, verse 22. Colossians 3, verse 22. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says this, Servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh. Notice, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. He said, you ought not serve with eye service as men pleasers. You ought to work just because you're a good worker. And by the way, this is what the Bible teaches is a hard worker. A hard worker is one who can work without being supervised. Go to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter number six. If you open your Bible, just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs six. The Bible says, the Bible defines a hard worker as somebody who can work without supervision. And if you are someone who cannot 
you are unable to work without supervision, then you are lazy, according to the Bible. The Bible says that you are a slothful person. You say, well, what do I do about it? Stop it. All right? Start being a hard worker, someone who's responsible. Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 6. Notice what the uh, proverb says. It says, go to the ant. He says, go, go learn a lesson from the ant. Notice, thou sluggard. Now, a sluggard is a lazy person. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, why is God telling the lazy person to go consider the ant? Notice, here's why, verse 7, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided their meat in the summer and gathered their food in the harvest. He says, look, the, the lazy person needs to learn how to work without having a guide, an overseer, and a ruler. They need to learn how to work uh, without being someone who just has to be watched and micromanaged and, and told. He says, look, you are a lazy, slothful person if you cannot work without being supervised. Go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 39. First book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find, Genesis 39. Listen to me, teenager. If your mom and dad can't just tell you, can't just say, this is your job. Your job is to take out the trash. This is your job. Your job is to do the laundry. This is your job. Your job is to, you know, wash the dishes or whatever your chores are at home. If your parents can't just tell you one time, here's your job, all right? Every night, you do the dishes. Every Monday, you take out the trash. Every Friday, you do. And you're just the type of person that needs to have someone just watch you, eyeballs on you the entire time time to make sure you actually do it. Just know this, you are lazy and you will fail in life. You will not be a good worker. And you say, well, Pastor, why are you saying this? I'm telling you because I'm trying to help you. You want to be a good worker. You want to be a worker that is going to be uh, promoted in life, that, pe- that employers are going to be happy to hire you. Let me tell you something. In the Bible, in the Bible, Every worker in the Bible that was right with God was always the best worker. I mean, just from Genesis through Revelation. We're going to look at one example tonight. We're going to compare what Paul's teaching and look at the example of Joseph. But look, you could do it with Joseph. You could do it with Isaac. You could do it with Jacob. You could do it with Daniel. You could do it with Shadrach. You could do it with Meshach. You could do it with Abednego. You could do it with whatever employee you want to pick in the entire Bible. You know what you find when you read about these men in the Bible? When you read about Mordecai, when you read about Esther, they're all hard workers, and they all go up the ladder in whatever kingdom they find themselves serving in. Nehemiah, Ezra, these were people that worked hard. Look, in the Bible, God's people had a name of being great workers, and today, we should have the same reputation. You know, the best workers in Sacramento should be members of Verity Baptist Church. I hope hope, uh, that employers say, man, that church is crazy, but I'll tell you what, they got some hard workers over there. You say, how do you do that? How do you become a great worker? Well, number one, you can't be a man pleaser serving only with eye service. You need to go to the ant thou sluggard, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided their meat in the summer, you need to be able to work without supervision. Genesis 39. This is something that is highlighted about Joseph. And by the way, Joseph is just a 17-year-old kid. You know, he gets sold into slavery when he's 17 years old. Obviously, throughout the story, he, he gets older. Uh, but this is just a kid, and I want you to notice how the Bible identifies him. Genesis 39, verse number 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served them 
Notice, and he made him. This is Joseph being sold into slavery to Potiphar, right? This is a servant-master relationship. Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, Joseph served Potiphar, and he, Potiphar, made him, Joseph, overseer over his house. He got a promotion. He got a raise. He, he went up the ladder, and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. Notice, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. What does that mean? And he knew not aught he had. Here's what that means. He didn't have to supervise him. He, Potiphar didn't even know what Joseph was doing all day. He just come home at night, and he saw a place that was running smoothly, a place that everything was getting done. And he's like, well, Joseph must be with you. He's like, I'm not even sure what Joseph is doing, but whatever Joseph is doing, it's working. Because Joseph was the type of worker that did not need to be uh, uh, supervised. Notice, even after he's lied about and he's thrown into prison. Go to Genesis 39, look at verse 22. This is a characteristic of Joseph. Genesis 39, 22. Genesis 39, 22, the Bible says this. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison, notice, notice these words, look not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Here, we're told that even in prison, Joseph was seen as a hard worker. He was promoted. He was uh, in prison, and, and they committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners, and the, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. He didn't have to be supervised. He didn't have to be watched. A hard worker, a good worker, is one that works without supervision. And look, you ought to really, you know, look at your own life. And those of you that, that are adults and you have jobs, you know, consider how you are at work. Are you really a person who just doesn't need to be supervised? And look, whether the boss is there or not, whether he's out on vacation, whether he's doing whatever he's doing, you're just at work, or are you a man pleaser? Are you just working with eye service? Because look, as a Christian, you ought to work without being Supervised, But there's a second thing I'd like you to notice. Keep your place there in Genesis. Keep your place in Colossians. Keep your place in Ephesians. We're going to go back and forth between these three books. Number one, I said, a Christian ought to work without supervision. Number two, a Christian ought to work with, with a good attitude. You ought to work with a good attitude. Notice verse five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Notice what he says. He said, I want you to be obedient but I want you to be obedient in a certain way. He says, with fear and trembling. You and I would say that in a respectful way. He says, I want you to be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, but I want you to do it with respect. Let me tell you what, not res- what respect isn't. Criticizing the boss. Gossiping about the boss. You know, just bad-mouthing the boss. Well, if I was the boss, I wouldn't do it. Well, let, let, me, let me break it to you. You're not the boss. And you know what? There's a reason why you're not the boss. It's probably because you're a complainer. You, you, you want to be the boss someday? Just work hard without being supervised and be respectful and shut your mouth and just work. And you'll, you'll, be, you'll be the boss one day. 
If not of that place, someone else will pick you up and make you a boss. But you know what? You need to work. Look, as Christians, we need to work without being supervised, and we need to work with a good attitude. He says, with fear and trembling. Then he says this, in singleness of your heart. That word singleness means with sincerity. It means with with no other motive. With no other, look, when you go to work, you ought not have any other motive other than I'm here to make the boss money. Do you understand that's why you got hired? I know some people don't realize that. They think like, oh, you know, the boss, he's supposed to do this for me and do that for me. Look, and a good boss will be kind and gentle. We're going to look at that here tonight as well. But let me explain something to you. The reason they hired you, the reason they're paying for you is so that you can make them money. It's so that you can produce. It's so that you can bring profit. It's so that you can uh, bring something to them. That's why they hired you. So you say, when you work for someone, you ought to do it with a good attitude, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart. Uh, you don't have to go, don't, don't turn there. I'll just, I'll just, I just want you to notice that in Colossians 3.22, it says the same thing. But in singleness of heart, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart. But I want you to notice verse 6 there in Ephesians 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Because I want you to notice the emphasis is not just on what you're doing, but how you're doing it. He says, doing the will of God from the heart. Notice, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You ought to be the type of worker. Look, he says, with good will. Doing the will of God from the heart. What is all this referring to? It's referring to the fact that you have a good attitude. Don't be the type of person who just goes to work and you're just always complaining. Complaining about everything. You know, complaining about, uh, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to? Look, you got hired to do that. Why are you complaining about it? Whatever it is you're complaining about, they're paying you to do that. So do it. So just go to work and don't be the type of worker that needs to be continually supervised and don't be the type of worker that's always complaining and griping and upset about something because you say, why? Because look, as Christians, we need to be the type of workers that God wants us to be. And that requires working without being supervised. And look, let me tell you something. You will never be the boss if you can't figure out how to work without being supervised. Let me tell you something about bosses. Let me tell you something about business owners. Even pastors, you know, you say, oh, you know, the pastor, he works for God. I I work for God. Absolutely. But you know, God, God's never given me a timesheet to punch, you know, to to fill out. I mean, I I work for God, but, you know, in in a very practical way, I'm kind of running a business here. You know, nobody tells me when to get up in the morning. Nobody tells me when to get to work. Nobody tells me. I can't even tell you the last time I took a day off, but it's not because anybody, because nobody told me I couldn't take a day off. You know, business owners, they have to get up just and, and work just because they, out of their own accord, no one's, no one's just waiting for them at the office. You're right. You know, if you're the type of person that unless somebody's calling you, hey, where are you? You're supposed to be here 30 minutes ago. You can't show up to work on time. You're never going to be the boss. You're never going to be the owner. You're never going to be the pastor. You're never going to be whatever. You're never going to run your own show because when you're running your own show, you know what? You have to be able to work without being supervised if you're the supervisor. So go to work and just don't be a man pleaser. Go to work and have a good attitude. Go to Genesis chapter 40. Let's look at our friend Joseph. Now, look, if there was ever anyone who had a right to have a bad attitude, it's Joseph. 
I mean, he gets sold into slavery by his own brothers. He gets lied about. He does nothing wrong. And he gets lied about by some woman who, who just, you know, has him thrown in prison. He gets forgotten by the butler, by the, you know, all these bad things happen to Joseph. And look, if Joseph had a bad attitude, I think we would all be like, hey, you know what, Joseph, I'd have a bad attitude too if I was you. But you know what you learn about Joseph when you study him throughout the Bible? Is he always had a good attitude. In fact, he's, his good attitude, he's trying to help people that have a bad attitude. Notice Genesis chapter 40 and verse 6. And Joseph came in. Remember, he's in prison because he's been lied about. Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them. And behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Here you have the butler and the baker who are in prison. You know, they're probably in prison because they actually did something wrong. Joseph is in prison because he's been lied about. You think Joseph would be the one looking sad, right? I mean, if it was me or you, we'd walk in and, be, and see the butler all sad and be like, what's wrong with you? And before he starts, I don't care, just whatever. You know, we'd have a bad attitude. But here Joseph, he's the one with the good attitude. He's looking at them and he's saying, he, he behold that they were sad. He says, wherefore look you so sadly today? Now look, you don't ask somebody, why do you look so sad when you look as sad and miserable as they do? You know, Joseph is having a good spirit. He's having a good attitude. This is how a Christian worker ought to be. You ought to be the type of worker who can go to work without being supervised. You ought to be the type of worker who maintains a good attitude. You say, I just don't know how I could do that. Well, you know what? As a Christian worker, go, to, go back to Ephesians 6. You ought to work without supervision. You ought to work with a good attitude. You say, how do I do that? You've got to come to a realization. You ought to work as you're working unto God. That's really the key. The key is that you're not working for that boss. You're not working for that manager. You're not working for that master in the flesh, but you ought to work when you're a Christian. You ought to work as unto Christ. Ephesians 6, look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, notice, as unto Christ. How, how should I work? As unto Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, notice, but as the servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, notice these words, as to the Lord and not to men. When you go to work, you got to go to work with this idea, I work for God. I work for the Lord. I've got a human Who's, who's over me, a master in the flesh. But you know what? I'm actually a servant of Christ. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, the Bible says, do all to the glory of God. Everything you do in your life and everything I do in my life, whether it's eating, drinking, going to work, whatever we're doing, we have to do everything to bring glory to the name of God. So when you go to work, you ought to work that, you're, that, that God the Father will be glorified. So you ought to work as the servant of Christ. As to the Lord. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Look at verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Ask the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive a reward of the inheritance. Notice, for ye serve the Lord Christ. 
And you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter if you're, you're a wife and you're working for your husband. You want to look at it that way. You're a teenager and you're working for your parents. You want to look at it that way. You're a, uh, an employer and you're uh, an employee and you're working for an employer. That's, that is the application. You know, you're a volunteer. Look, you ought to look at everything you do as though you're doing it as unto Christ. You know that it'll revolutionize your life, your work life, if you realize that what I do, I do unto Christ. You know, here at, at church, church is a, a difficult, I've got some staff guys that I can yell at. But other than those guys, you know, this is just a volunteer force, right? So I don't really get to just, you know, get up in people's business and just, what's wrong with you? Why can't you show up on time? You know, or why do you miss this? Why do you miss that? You know, it's a volunteer force. But I would just remind you, hey, you know, we have some. When you volunteer here, we ask you to do certain things. You know, the orchestra has practice times that we ask orchestra members to be at. Not the ushers have an ushers meeting they're supposed to go to every week. You know what the cleaners are supposed to show up to clean at a certain time? You say, well, you know, well, why, why I just do what I want? You're not paying me. You know what? But if you felt like, if you thought that you, you, I'm doing this service for God, you'd look at it different. I mean, if you were ushering, you say, I'm not ushering for pastor. Okay, that's fine. But if you were ushering for Jesus, you'd show up to the ushers meeting. If you were playing an instrument for God, you show up to the practice. You know, whatever it is, Bible reading, whatever you're doing, uh, working in the sound room, whatever you're doing, if you realize, I'm not doing this for man. I'm not doing it for man or to be seen of man. I'm doing it for God. Then you might take it seriously. Then you might actually show up on time. Then you might actually have a good attitude. Look, if you showed up to work tomorrow and said, yes, I have a boss. Yes, I have a manager. Yes, I have an employer. But you know what? Above all of that, I am a servant to Christ. I serve Christ. You, you, you probably show up to work with a good attitude. And work not only when the boss is there. And you might end up getting a raise. As a worker, as a worker, you ought to work without supervision. Look, if you're just, and look, I, I realize people get sick and all those things happen. I'm not talking about that. But if you're the type of person that someone needs to constantly be telling you, like, hey, you're supposed to show up at this time. Hey, you're supposed to show up at this time. Hey, you're supposed to be at this meeting. Hey, you're supposed to go to this practice. Hey, if you're that type of person, look, just realize I am lazy. I need to do something. Look, if you're the type of person who's just always constantly showing up late, look, I realize we get flat tires, things happen, you show up late. But there's, there's people who show up late when something happens, and then there's a person who shows up late to everything. I mean, all of us know that person who shows up late to everything. And usually they always show up the same amount of, of late, you know. They always show up five minutes late to the service. They always show up 50 minutes late to soul winning. They always show up, look, let me just cue you in on something. If you're always 50 minutes late, start getting ready 50 minutes earlier than that. Okay? It's not that hard. We're, we're all, you know that we all, we, we can synchronize our watches. It's not that difficult. It, I don't understand, you know, if there's one thing, I could, you guys can blame my dad for this, but if there's one thing my dad instilled in us is don't waste people's time. One of the rudest things you could do is when someone's waiting on you and you're just, you know, stopping at Starbucks and just taking your time, checking my email. You know, don't, don't waste people's time. That is so rude. You say, well, well, what do I do? Manage yourself. Service starts at six. It takes me five and a half hours to get ready. Okay, well, maybe you need to have lunch and start getting ready for church. But, you know, do whatever you got to do to be there. Show up to work on time. Look, men, you will get fired. 
You will not be able to hold down a job if you can't figure out how to show up to work on time. You say, oh, I want to raise. Show up to work on time. (laughs) It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. Go to work. Be a hard worker. Work with a good attitude without needing to be supervised. And just work for the Lord as unto the Lord. Go to Genesis 39. Notice Joseph had this idea. When Joseph is tempted to sin against his employer, and here Joseph, this is a grievous sin, he's being tempted to commit adultery with his master's wife. But look, whether it's something as severe as committing adultery, or whether it's just, you know, cutting out early because the boss is gone and he's not going to know. Taking a longer lunch because the boss isn't here, he's not going to know. Or I'm going to take this pen, or I'm going to take this, you know, these things because the boss doesn't know. You know, Whatever you're going to do at work, you got to realize, Joseph realized that he's a servant of God. Genesis 39, look at verse 8. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not. That word wadeth means knoweth not what is with me in the house. Because he's a good worker. He's like, my master's not even checking in on me. And he has committed all that he had to my hand. There is none in this house in this house than I, now that he kept back anything from me, but thee, because thou art his wife. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness? And he says this, and sin against, he doesn't say his master, he says, and sin against God. See, Joseph, Joseph went to work every day for God. He wasn't, he wasn't serving for Potiphar. He was doing it for God. He didn't sin, not, not because of Potiphar, although I don't think he wanted to sin against Potiphar, but he said, I cannot sin against God. You know what a good Christian employee does? They work without supervision. They maintain a good spirit and a good attitude. And they work as unto the Lord. They do it as unto the Lord. Look, if Jesus was your boss, would you be taking a longer break? Well, if he's watching me, okay, he's, he's God. He watches everything. If Jesus was your boss, would you just be not showing up to the meetings you're supposed to show up, not showing up to the practices you're supposed to show up to, not, you know, fulfilling the requirements that you agreed to do? If Jesus, if Jesus was watching you, would you be doing it? Let me let you in on a little secret. Jesus is watching you. You understand that? I don't get this, I don't get this man-pleaser Christianity where like, oh, I'll be all fundamental up when people are around. Well, when, God, when no one's around, then I'll do what I want. Well, I mean, are you doing it for men or are you doing it for God? Because God's always around. God's always watching. God's always paying attention. You got to work as unto the Lord. You say, yeah, but if I do that, if I do that, if I serve like I'm serving the Lord, they're, they're just going to take advantage of me. You know, if I start serving at Verity Baptist Church like I'm serving God, pastor's never going to give me credit. Never going to mention my name from the pulpit. Well, why are you doing it? Have your name mentioned from the pulpit? Ephesians 6, look at verse 8. Ephesians 6, 8. Well, if I work like that, if I go to work and work for my boss, like if my boss was Jesus... You know, I'm going to make them all sorts of money, and I'm never going to get promoted. They're never going to give me the raise. They're always going to look over me. They're not going to bless me. Ephesians 6, verse 8. Knowing that 
whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You know, when you work as unto the Lord, then it is the Lord that gets to promote you. The Bible says promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. The Bible says that God is the judge. The Bible says that God sets up those who he wants to and brings down those who he will. Let me tell you something. You just work. You just work hard and let God. God will take care of you. You ought to work knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Knowing that God's going to promote you. And whether he, he might promote you there, he might move you somewhere else and promote you. But look, God is going to make sure that you are blessed if you just work hard for him. Go to Colossians 3, look at verse 24. Colossians 3, verse 24. Colossians 3, 24, knowing that. Colossians 3, 24. Oh, but I have this terrible boss, and he's, he's so stingy, and he never gives raises, and he, he's always, you know, he's always gone and expects us to work while he's out on vacation. You know, you really want me to work? Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward. You ought to work knowing that the Lord, of the Lord, you're going to receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons with God. See, your boss might have favorites. Your boss might show favoritism, but you know what? There's no respect of persons with God. God is going to make sure you, you're blessed. You just show up and you work. And you work, you, well, yeah, but they're promoting other people and they're doing other things and I was supposed to get that raise and I put in for that position. Then, it, you know, look, you forget about that. You just go to work and say, I work for God and you let God reward you. You might end up like Joseph. Go to Genesis 41. Say, yeah, but Joseph, he went and worked hard for Potiphar. He made him all sorts of money and Potiphar threw him into prison. Yeah, you're right. And then Joseph goes to prison and he works hard for that prison master and he takes care of all the responsibilities that that prison master is supposed to take care of and then they, they just forgot about him. Yeah, you know, you're right. But you know what? God made sure that Joseph got promoted. Genesis 41, verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed you the, these, all, these all, all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt, notice what he says, thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. You know that you know Joseph ended up being Potiphar's boss? Look, here, here's what I'm telling you. You just go to work and work hard. You just keep a good attitude and you just don't be a man pleaser and work hard and forget about whether you get the credit. Forget about whether everybody notices. Yeah, but if I work hard when the boss is not there, he's not going to know. But God will know. God will promote you. And of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. And the Lord is going to make sure that you get what you have coming to you. Look, God's going to make sure. Look, this phrase that I'm about to tell you, God is going to make sure that you get what's coming to you. Now, that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. You decide. I mean, if you're just working hard, they're stabbing you in the back, they're lying about you, you're not getting the promotion because you go to Verity Baptist Church or whatever. And the Lord, look, the Lord's going to make sure you get what's coming to you. That's a good thing. 
If you go to work, you're just late, you're taking long lunches, you're stealing from the boss, you're lying, you're having a bad attitude, God's going to make sure you have what's coming to you. That's not a good thing. Look, God's going to make sure you have what's coming, what, what, what's coming to you. You decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But know this, that God is the one. We don't get to play like the world. We have a father. His name is God, and he's always watching. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about the servants, how the servants should deal with the authority they are under. They should work without supervision. They should work with a good attitude, and they should work as unto the Lord. Let's quickly talk about how the masters should deal with the authority they have. So now let's, let's uh, uh, shift gears and talk about the boss. Ephesians 6 verse 9. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatenings, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. You know what God tells the masters? He says, look, masters, do the same thing unto them. Do, he, the, he's saying, you do to them what they were just commanded to do to you. So you don't sit there and have a bad attitude towards them. You don't sit there and criticize them. He says, forbearing, threatening. He said, you don't want to be the type of master, the type of boss. Look, you don't want to be the type of uh, 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 employer, the type of husband, the type of father, the type of pastor. If you're constantly having to tell People like, I'm, I'm in charge here. You got to listen to me. I'm in charge. Look, if you're constantly telling people you're in charge, you're not in charge. You may have a position, but you're not in charge. It's just the truth. He says, forbearing, threatening. He said, look, you want to be the type of boss that is not just threatening and angry and, and, and upset and bad. Go to First uh, Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. If you go back from the book of Revelation backwards, you have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter. Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter. You know, there's, there's different types of leaders out there. 1st Peter 2.18. Servants. Servants. Be subject to your masters. And you're like, oh yeah, but you know, my, my master's a jerk. My boss is a jerk. My husband's a jerk. My dad's a jerk. My, the manager at my, uh, where I work, they're, they're, he's a jerk. They're mean. They're not nice. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Don't miss this. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. That, that, that means to the one that's difficult to deal with. Your job is to just obey and be subject to your master, whether you have a good boss or not, Joseph. Let God deal with that. You just serve God. You just serve as unto the Lord, and God will reward you. But you know, as leaders, as leaders, we should not be the master that is difficult to deal with, but we should be good and gentle. We should be good and gentle. Go to Matthew chapter 20. I'll give you a couple of verses on this. We'll finish up. Matthew chapter 20. What kind of leader should we be as Christians? Look, maybe you are a boss at work. Maybe you're a manager. Maybe you have a crew, you know, whatever. Maybe you've got people under you that, that you're, you are their authority. If you're a husband, this applies to you. If you're a father, this applies to you. If you're a pastor, this applies to you. 
You know, what kind of leader should we be? You know, the Bible teaches that we ought to practice servant leadership. Servant leadership. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles, the Gentiles here is talking about the nations of the world, the the worldly people. He said, you know that the princes, a prince is someone of authority, a leader. He says, you know that the princes, the leaders of the Gentiles of the world exercise dominion. The word dominion means the power to rule over someone. They exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Authority is the power to give orders and make decisions. He says, let me tell you how the leaders of the world lead. They say, you do what I say because I'm the boss. You, you do what I'm saying because I'm the man of the house. Bless God. You do what I say because I'm dad. And look, and look, there's a time to say you do what I say because I'm dad. I, I understand that. And sometimes there's a time to say you do what I say because I'm the boss too. But that should not be your default leadership. You know, you're just a jerk you're just, you know, uh, 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 threatening everybody. Do it or you're fired. He says, look, that's how the world, that's how the world's leadership is. They exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He says, here's how you ought to lead. Verse 26. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The word minister means servant, someone who serves. He's talking about servant leadership. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He says, you know, Jesus says, you know that I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, let me just explain something about servant leadership real quickly. You, you go to Colossians uh, chapter 4 and go to Proverbs 29. We'll finish this up here in a minute. Go to Colossians 4 and Proverbs 29. Let me just explain something about servant leadership. Maybe you haven't heard that term before, and sometimes people get the wrong idea. When we say servant leadership, we, here's what we're not saying. We're not saying that servant leadership is not that the, the, the servant and the master switch roles. No, Dad, you take out the trash, okay? You know, or you go do uh, the dishes. Servant leadership is not that the master becomes a servant and the servant becomes a master. That's not what we're talking about. Obviously, you have positions of authority. You have think, you have think you were hired to do certain things, or your position as a wife is to submit to your husband or your children, you're to obey your parents. Servant leadership is not that the leader becomes a servant, like you've got to do everything. Servant leadership is this that you lead, that you lead as a service for those who follow you. That you lead not for the benefit of self, but for the benefit of those that are following you. See. You, there, there, there is a difference between a husband who says, well, I'm the husband, so I'm going to try to milk out of this everything I can, and pastor said, you got to submit, and I'm going to lead for my benefit. There's a difference between the person who leads for their own benefit and the leader who says, yes, I am the leader. I have the authority. I have the rule. I have the control, but I'm going to lead for your benefit. I'm going to lead. See, the father who says, I'm going to lead my children, not for my benefit. A lot of times, fundamental Baptist parents think that their teenagers are, are their bond service. You know, their kids are just their slaves. You know, they're there to clean the house and, and make sure that I, you know, they're fanning me and feeding me grapes in my mouth. Look, you are to lead for their benefit. 
I'm not saying they shouldn't have chores, but you know, they should have chores so they can learn to work hard. It's for their benefit. You understand that? The pastor should lead for your benefit. Now that means that sometimes you rebuke, you exhort, you reprove. Sometimes you have to correct people. Sometimes you have to say, hey, this isn't okay. Look, you're still the leader, but you're leading. Your motive is for the benefit of the follower. Servant leaders are those who lead for the benefit of others. And here's what I'm telling you. When you learn, when you learn to lead for the benefit of others, when you show up to work and you say, I am here, I, I, I don't care about getting the credit. I'm serving as unto the Lord. God will make sure I get the credit. When you're the boss, when you're the manager, when you're the shift leader, when you're the crew leader, and you say, you know what, I'm here for your benefit. I'm here to, to help you succeed, to make you look good. You know that the leaders who help others succeed are the most successful leaders? I don't know about that. Okay, well, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He said, everything I'm doing here is for your benefit. Jesus would say to his disciples, and look, as leaders, we ought to lead in a way where we say, yeah, I'm, I'm the boss. I am the boss. Yeah, I, I, am, I am the business owner. Yeah, I, I am the manager. But I'm not leading for my benefit. I'm leading for your benefit. I'm going to leverage my authority. I'm going to leverage my experience. I'm going to leverage anything at my, the resources at my disposal to help you succeed. And when you help others succeed, you know what they do? They help you succeed. And this is servant leadership. Servant leadership is not that the leader is doing everything while the follower relaxes. Servant leadership is that the leader is leading for the benefit of the follower. The husband who leads his family for the benefit of his wife, that's an extraordinary husband. And that husband will have no problem with his wife submitting to his authority. The husband who takes the Bible and says, you got it, and, and uses those verses for his own benefit, he's going to have a rebellious wife on his hands. The father, the mother, who says, yes, I am the authority in this home, and I'm going to leverage my authority for your benefit, son, for your benefit, daughter, I have no problem having kids that respect them, love them, Follow them. But the parents who see their kids as, oh, how we got with these slaves, let them do all the work. Look, you're going to have kids that aren't going to want to be around you, that aren't going to respect you. You got to lead. You got to lead with the servant in mind. You say, why? Here's why. Because you are a servant too. Colossians 4, look, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants. That which is just and equal. Notice what he says. Knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. See, he says, leader. You know what, leader? You know what, leader? You're a servant too. We're all servants to God. You have a servant. You have a master in heaven. You're a servant. He says, masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Go to Proverbs 29. Verse 21, this is the last place we'll look at tonight. Proverbs 29, 21. We actually saw this last week, but I want you to see it this week. It actually fits the context of this week's sermon. We saw it last week just as an illustration. If you're in leadership, you ought to lead for the benefit of your followers. That doesn't mean that you do their job. But that means that when you make decisions... 
When you've got to make a decision, you've got to make a judgment call, we're going to start this program, we're not going to start this program, we're going to do this. You're not doing it for your benefit, what's best for you, what's easiest for you, but you're doing it for the benefit of those that are following you. You're making decisions for your employees, your church members, whatever it is. You're making decisions for the benefit of the organization, of the church, of the business, of the family. You're running whatever it is. You are leading for the servant's benefit. Because at the end of the day, you are a servant too. Proverbs 29, 21, the Bible says this. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child. Notice, shall have him become his son at the length. Now, the Bible says if you, if you leverage your authority and your leadership properly, if you delicately bring up a servant, yeah, but they're a servant. Yeah, but if you love them like a son, if you treat them with respect, if you don't just try to get something out of it, but you invest into them, those people, they'll become like your son. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. So as we look at these passages, these verses here, Galatians 5 through, or uh, Ephesians 5 through 9, here are the takeaways, all right, in case you missed it. Takeaway number one, as a servant, you should obey, your, you should obey God. You should obey your God-given authority. As a, a servant, you ought to obey your God-given authority as unto God, and God will bless you for it. As a servant, you say, this is my God-given authority here on earth, whether it's my boss, whether it's my mom, whatever it is. That's my God-given authority. I'm going to serve, not as unto him, her, whether they deserve it, whether they don't deserve it. No, I'm going to serve them as unto God, and I'm going to let God deal with the reward process. The promotion process of making sure that I get what's coming to me. And the takeaway for the masters is this. As a master, you should be gentle. And you should lead for the benefit of those who are under your authority. And God will bless you. God will give you influence. God will allow you to have an impact. People will give you their hearts. They'll give you their energy. They'll give you, they'll get sold out to whatever cause you're leading. When they know that you're leading for their benefit and not your own. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage. Just, just a few verses. But so much truth there about followers and leaders. About servants and masters. And Lord, sometimes we put on different hats. Sometimes in one situation... You may be the leader. In another situation, you may be the follower. Help us, Lord, to realize what's expected of us in all of these situations. And we're the follower. Help us to just work hard, not have to be supervised all the time. Help us to have a good attitude and help us to serve as unto the Lord. And when we're the leader, Lord, help us to lead for the benefit of the servants. And help us to remember that we have a master in heaven too. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.